Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kedshenu B'Mitzvotav, Vetzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week's Torah portion is Parshat Kedoshim. It's about holy people being a people that is holy. And if you have your Bibles, you can go to Leviticus chapter 19. We'll read the first three verses together. And those of you who like to participate in the comment section, if you could put this in Leviticus 19 verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire community of Israel and tell them you people are to be holy because I, Adonai your God, am holy. Verse three, every one of you is to revere his father and mother and you are to keep my Shabbat. I am Adonai your God. Well, I really like this passage because it's addressed to the whole community of Israel. It's for all of us. It's for us as a community, as individuals, it's for the people at that time and also for generations to come. We are called to be holy. Now, what really is important to us is that it's not just for a few saints or for a few special people. It's for all of us. God's desire and his intention is that all of us would be holy. And it goes further and says, every one of you is to revere or to honor or show respect to his father and his mother. And again, that is for everyone. It's not just for a few saints, and it's not just for people with perfect parents, because in fact, there aren't perfect parents. Now, this is for all of us, but the reason given is simply I am Adonai, your God. To me, that's fascinating. Because the Lord is our God, we show this type of respect and this type of honor to father and to mother. Well, holiness is a very big topic. And we could save that, I think, for another day. Because tonight, I want to focus on mothers. Because this Sunday in the United States, it will be Mother's Day. And our Jewish scriptures teach us, as we just read, that we're to honor our mothers. We're to honor our fathers. We're to honor our mothers. And we are to remember something about our own history. The Jewish people, our scriptures teach us, had uh, difficult beginnings. And the patriarchs and their wives had great difficulty conceiving and bringing forth children. Before the Wives of the patriarchs became matriarchs, mothers. They had to be able to bring forth children, and it was difficult for many of them to conceive. They really suffered in many cases for quite some time because they had the yearning of uh, a mother. They had the yearning of a father. They wanted to have children and to raise them. But for many of them, it was impossible, at least for a long time. And if you think about it, in, in many societies, women who don't have children 
or can't conceive are, are treated like they're flawed or they're incomplete or or maybe they're cursed by God or they're guilty of something. It's not always clear what, but it can be agonizing for those who want to have children but can't. And it's agonizing as well for those who show their parenthood, not through their biological children, but through their adopted or foster children or just the way that they show love to young people who aren't even part of their own family. But our patriarchs and our matriarchs were people who endured a lot of sorrow Our Jewish history teaches us that covenant children are hard to conceive and to bring forth. And that helps us understand something. Many miracle babies are born only after much difficulty or with a lot of suffering or even shame and even great danger. And I think this weekend it will be great for us to honor such mothers who have endured a lot of difficulty. Let's honor as well those women who've yearned to give birth, but couldn't. And let's remember, we want to show respect to all of them. That's the word of the Lord. And I want you to keep that in mind as we move into another passage that I think is a familiar prophecy for everyone who's uh, part of the Messianic movement. But it's, uh, I want to look at it in, in a particular way. It's in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And it's a prophecy about um, a virgin who will bring forth a child. This is what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, a virgin. Alma in Hebrew, a young woman. And, you know, when we read this today, perhaps, we may be thinking about how heavenly it is and and how wonderful that experience must have been uh, for, for Miriam, for Mary, as she conceived and and then was pregnant and then brought forth Messiah. And it's easy to think of the heavenly side and to imagine, um, you know, like the angels singing and the the beauty of the whole moment. But I, I want to encourage you to put aside some of that uh, imagery, that mental imagery or or that that kind of mental picture you might have of the beatific miracle of the virgin birth and the peaceful Madonna, more on that in a minute. But put that aside for a minute as we read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. And those of you who are making notes in the uh, Facebook Live, if you could put this passage, Matthew 1, verses 18 through 20. And I'm going to read a Christian English translation because I think it may be familiar. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged in marriage to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and was unwilling to disgrace her publicly, he resolved to divorce her quietly. 
So that's a familiar passage to to many English speakers and many Americans. And I think it's a good time for us to look carefully at what that passage is telling us and to take some time to think about what the real experience that Mary and Joseph and Yeshua might have gone through. And so maybe you've got like an image in your mind of a statue or some kind of picture of Madonna, the Virgin Mary, and typically she's depicted seated. She's holding the infant Jesus, little baby Jesus. And and often the, the Madonna imagery is of an idealized, virtuous and beautiful woman. And, and you look at her and it's like, oh, it's so, so wonderful and so peaceful and so forth. But I want to give you a contrasting view because I think it may help us appreciate something about the Lord. And think about the ancient Jewish understanding, the understanding at the time that the Uh, prophecy that Isaiah uh, recorded that time, the ancient Jewish understanding, and from that time and all the way forward, um, understood this, that uh, a virgin who was pregnant had gotten pregnant by having sex. So if a woman was pregnant, then she had sex. That was the understanding. It was very basic and very clear. Now, for an unmarried woman to be pregnant, for a teenager to be pregnant, meant that she had been sexually active. That was the assumption. That was the understanding because that's the way things would normally happen. But the child born in such fashion would be considered illegitimate in Hebrew Mumser in in English, a, a, a crude word, a rough word, um, though it may be it, it may be hard to hear. The word bastard would capture the same idea as mumser, and you could say that the translation of mumser is a child of a union that's not sanctioned by biblical law as interpreted by rabbis, and sometimes it's just a child born out of wedlock. And so this prophecy that sounds so beautiful that that a virgin uh, will give birth, will conceive and give birth, and that Mary um, was pledged in marriage to Joseph, but she was found to be pregnant. It's useful to pay attention to verse 19. And it says, because Joseph, her betrothed, was a righteous man and was unwilling to disgrace her publicly, he resolved to divorce her quietly. You see, there was always a question when an unmarried woman was pregnant, who is the father? And then, can you imagine Joseph's struggle, the challenge that he would have faced His betrothed is pregnant, and he knows he's not the father. The struggle, the challenge, the tension, the pressure, it it was no doubt immense. What to do? What to do in such a situation? Well, Joseph couldn't 
couldn't uh, just go on like business as usual. He couldn't go on the way he planned. He had to do something. And what to do? He, he had to put her away. He had to put her away, but he had decided that that he would try to do it quietly because he was honorable and he didn't want her to be disgraced by this moment even more so. So he decided to divorce her quietly. That was what he understood would be the only solution for him because he understood the, the shame associated with Mary being pregnant. Keep that in mind. I want you to grasp that. Because our Messiah comes this way. And everyone should take note. He comes in a way where it looks like his mom is got pregnant out of wedlock. It's a struggle for all the religious families and the suffering and the shame and the, the embarrassment. It, 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 it's like an, the struggles that an unwed teen has in high school. And I think every one of us must take time to consider this and think about this. There are many ways that Messiah could have been born, but he chose this way. A young woman struggling with a community around her, dealing with shame. Miriam had to deal with shame, with awkwardness. How could she explain who would believe her? And of course, you could say, and it would be true, Miriam was righteous and she was virtuous and all that. But that is not what people around her figured. They know how things normally work. So the Lord knew, the Lord knew that she would be considered by others as unrighteous. So when you read that prophecy in Isaiah about the virgin birth, and you think, oh, what a marvelous and, and beautiful moment, don't forget the other side. The Lord knows how things normally work, and he knew she would be considered by other people, by the community around her, and even by her betrothed as unrighteous, and it's what Joseph thought. But the people around him also would have thought he was the father. The whole thing was very complicated. We read it now with simplicity because we know the story, and because there are just a few verses for us to pay attention to, and we're not putting ourselves in their shoes. But lots of gossip swirls around at times like that, and I'm sure you know so. Young women in this position, I want to tell you something. Your God knows what you're going through and what you went through. Mothers with daughters, your God knows what you're going through. If you have a, a daughter who got pregnant out of wedlock, Understand this, you can, you can talk to your God. You can draw close to your Messiah. You can share and open up and he will receive you because he understands. Because his conception, the pregnancy that brought him forth was surrounded by questions. Children who were born out of wedlock, I want to tell you, your God knows what you're going through. 
single parents. Your God knows your challenges. Children who were put up for adoption or raised by foster parents or step parents, your God understands. And when we're celebrating Mother's Day this Sunday, think about the kind of mother who gave birth to Messiah, our holy God, the one who says, I'm holy, be holy like I'm holy, came to us this way. So we could learn something more about holiness. How do we come to a holy God? How do we come to a holy God? We come with teshuvah. We, we come with repentance. We come by turning around and turning towards him. And we stop going in our own direction and we turn in his direction. We turn away from everything that pulls us away from God and we turn to him and we know something. It requires humility and honesty, and a willingness to admit our own sin and our own failures. And we have to stop trying to save ourselves. And we have to come to that place where we say, I could never be holy enough to save myself or good enough to save myself. And we can, in humility, turn to the holy God who is merciful to the humble and the contrite. That's how we come to the Lord. But I want to think for a moment with you about how the Lord comes to us. He humbles himself. This is our story about our God. He humbles himself and he finds a young unmarried woman and he comes to us through her. Not through some glorious, powerful person, but in humble, humble ways that can even be misinterpreted and misunderstood to bring accusation, shame, embarrassment, and so forth. And he comes into such a family. He comes into such a moment as that. He comes into a society like that. The Almighty God draws close to the contrite and the humble because he himself is humble and he shows us his humility. Humble doesn't mean powerless. It's almighty God. And humble doesn't mean thinking poorly about yourself. It means acknowledging that we can come without all of that power to the Lord. And the Lord comes to us without all of his power, but with his mercy and with his love, with his goodness. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Yeshua. Let's keep learning about him and his story and about the wonders and the great mercy of our God. Let's learn to be more and more like him and learn to serve in a way that brings his light and his goodness into this broken world. There are broken people all around us. There are people uh, in our mishpocha. There are people everywhere who need the Lord. And when we can be more like him, they can see and turn to him. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your humility and we thank you for your love and for your compassion and for your mercy. And we pray, help us, Lord, to grow in all these qualities so that our service will reveal your goodness. 
In a moment, we're going to be closing with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services at Beth Israel are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. So let's close with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasemlecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me, from the Korshan family, from the entire Beth Israel team and Mishpocha, we want to thank you for joining us. And now let's return to, to Eric Painter, who will lead us in a final worship song. I hope you can join us tomorrow for our live stream Shabbat service and live from the sanctuary. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.